Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Oh, boy, am I making money. Oh, I hope you are, too. And we're going to tell you how to because I, I, it's just a great week. It's a great week. We got NBA playoffs going on. We have the NHL playoffs going on. Major League Baseball is a money maker. I know it's a shortened season. I know we're all worried about Corona, and I, I get it all. But if you're a sports betting fan, man, you are cleaning up, cleaning up. Facebook and Twitter, it's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That's where you can find us. And yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about a specific baseball team in particular and a specific situation in particular. The numbers jump off the page, jump on your face and do a little dance. I mean, how how are they missing this? But we've talked about it for years, right? For years we've said, guys, the market is slow to adjust to Major League Baseball. So we're going to get into that. We also have some college football news, both good and bad. We have some college football news, depending on where you lie on the equation. It's either going to ruffle your feathers or you're going to get a smile. And isn't that college football and the world of college football today? You know, if you're a Big Ten fan, you're you're upset. You're an SEC fan. They release schedules this week. We also have a feel-good story from the NFL that we can maybe make some cash on because people are getting emotionally driven and I want to talk about that. So we're going to start off real quick. Let's start when not bury the lead, right? And the lead is the playoffs. That's right. We have the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. How does it look right now? And what are we talking about as far as the betting markets go? Well, we have some teams in trouble. Now, I know it's early on. I get it. And I get that it's an Orlando bubble, and I get that these guys are out of the routine. And bah, 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 bah. Give me all the excuses you want. I'm giving you straight up numbers, facts. That's this is it. You can't go against what I'm going to give you here. The Lakers, the Bucks, and the Clippers do not look right. They are the number one, the number two, and the number three favorites in the NBA to win the championship. All of them have already lost a playoff game early on. Traditionally, the first round of the playoffs in the NBA, non-corona, non-bubble, whatever you want to say, traditionally, the first round is almost a laughable joke. It's almost a joke because the eight seeds play in the one seed or the seven seeds play in the two seed, and you get a team, especially in the East recently, you get a team that might be over 500 and sort of squeaks in against the powerhouse, but the time off affected these teams and we spoke about it now i didn't think the bucks would be affected but i spoke about the lakers and and the clippers that had been a little trouble being a little early trouble because they didn't play with their team and they didn't have a lot of time before that playing with a full roster guys being hurt and new teams being thrown together lebron ad brand new team Kawhi, brand new team paul george right so i kind of expected a slow start these three teams had problems in the ramp up and i'm not going to call it second regular season or whatever the hell they want to call i'm calling it the ramp up in the ramp up which was the regular season sort of they didn't get up for these games they didn't care but they looked out of sync the bucks lakers and clippers all did not look good during the ramp up and generally speaking most of the public out there said "Eh, it doesn't matter they're going to hit that switch and once the playoffs start Watch how great they are. It's LeBron. It's the Greek freak. It's Kawhi. Very potentially the three best players in the NBA. Probably the three best players in the NBA. They're going to flip this switch. And everything's going to be fine. You know, maybe they did flip the switch. None of them looked particularly bad. The rest of the team didn't, though. Right? Kawhi and George looked fine to me. I didn't think they dominated. They looked fine. Giannis looks fine. LeBron and AD were the entire offense. The rest of the team didn't. If you are a superstar, 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 and LeBron James probably has 15 basketball courts on his property, right? You're going to get the proper ramp up in your body and in, in yourself. You're going to get your mind right. It's just who you are. You're that guy. You are that superstar. The superstars, I'm not worried about. It's the secondary guys. 
And there's a great story about Major League Baseball where Mitch Moreland actually has a pitching machine and basically a full baseball field in his farmhouse. And his teammates said he lived in a, a one-bedroom apartment in the city and really couldn't even swing a bat because he was going to knock over some furniture. Well, it's the same thing with the Lakers, the Bucks, and the Clippers. Some of these guys are not in that mindset and maybe not even in that physical shape to all of a sudden turn it on. Do I think they're going to be okay? Look, it's not the boldest statement to say Lakers, Bucks, and Clippers are going to make it out of the first round, right? I think they're going to be fine. But I worry about a team like the Lakers going up against Houston. Houston won this week with an awful shooting performance by James Harden. How many times can you say that, right? Denver poses a little bit of a threat to the Clippers. You have teams that suddenly, all of a sudden, after one or two playoff games, all of a sudden you go, yeah, that could be a problem. And then there's the Bucks, The Celtics were a threat already. Now the Miami Heat are a team that, I'm sorry, they just look tuned in. And that's not, not you know unusual for Miami. They've looked pretty tuned in most of the year. So the three big teams, Bucks, Clippers, Lakers, how do you approach this from a betting standpoint? I'm fading all three. I'm fading all three right now, but I don't know if I'm fading completely or just not betting them, right? Can you, can you fade a team and not play the game? Because that's what I'm looking at. I know most people ran to the ticket window to take all of them in game two. Oh, they're not going to lose two games in a row. I'm going to lay the big money. I'm going to lay it. I didn't bet any of it. I stayed away, and I stayed completely and utterly away. And I stayed away because, look, I'm not sure what these teams are yet. I would not be putting money on any of them to fail in the first round, but I'm shaky if I'm holding a futures ticket right now. I think one of them could lose in the first round. I think probably two of them are going to lose in the second round. I don't see a final where the Bucks are playing the Clippers or Lakers. I don't see a final with that. So guys, you know, the NBA players, it's tough. And now we transition to the NHL and the NHL is somewhat the flip side. I know that you got some big boys in trouble, but let's look at the NHL. The Avalanche are starting to look really good. The Knights, number one seed, starting to look really good. The Lightning absolutely crossed a barrier they needed to after a first-round exit last year. They crossed the barrier. I like the Lightning. I told you guys I like the Lightning this year as well. They got past the number one teams. Look, look even the Brewers look good. Uh, the number one teams are getting by in the NHL. But teams like the Capitals worry you, uh, you know, St. Louis worries you a little bit. You have some worries, but it's not as devastating as the NBA. And that's where we have to kind of look at this situation. We've got to glance at the situation and start saying, who can we take advantage of? Where can we pick our spots? And what's the situation? Normally, in a spot like this, Game two for the Lakers, Bucks, and Clippers back at their place because they would have game one, they would lose at home. Okay, game two, they're not losing two games at home. You're not at home. No one's at home. They're in Mickey's house, right? No one's at home. It's the same place, and it's the same thing with the NHL. Right? Coming home to the Washington Capitals after losing a couple games to the Islanders. Oh, yeah, well, they're not going to lose again. They're going to be in Washington. No, they're not. They're on the same ice in the same locker room in the same city. It's probably like negative 10 in August up in Canada. I mean, it's the same thing, guys. So not much is changing, and you've got to change and adapt your betting style knowing these things. And I know people are going to come out there and go, no, I know it. I factored in corona. How many people really did? How many people said that they did, and then they just went with whatever they were going to do anyway? And that was generally my advice, by the way, was still take the better team. But there are certain situations. Traditionally, if a number one seed loses at home in game one, you slam them in game two. Because they're going to be at home, the crowd's going to be crazy, and they're not dropping two in a row at home. And I'm talking about any sport. That is a situation for the comeback double down. The line will be inflated, we get it, but it's usually crush them time. Right? It's usually a time where the Milwaukee Bucks come back in game two and they win the game by 40. I mean, that's the kind of history that we have had in 
both the NBA, NHL as well. That's the kind of history that we've had. You can go into Major League Baseball even. But when we're looking at a corona world, they're not getting the jolt from coming home, seeing their wife and kids. They're not getting the, the enthusiasm of the crowd. They're not getting the hypeness. They're not getting anything different than the day before or two days before where they failed. They failed two days before in the same arena, in the same spot, against the same teams. And if your star, like the Houston Rockets had this week, if your star goes cold, you're done. Well, guess what? The stars didn't go cold. So they have to rely upon these secondary guys. The question with the Bucks for a couple of years now has been, can their secondary guys lift them up? Question with the Lakers and the Clippers, what about after the big two? Who do you got down the rotation? Right? Kyle Kuzma's got to step up. I mean, who do you have down the rotation that's going to start making some buckets? These are things that have grown to be an ugly trend right now. And it, I'm not telling, again, I'm not telling you they're not going to get out of the first round, but ah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous I'm a, from a fan or a betting perspective of the Bucks, Lakers, and Clippers. Because the line didn't move that much, oh, by the way. Lakers were six and a half point favorites in game one, playing the hottest hand on the planet in Damian Lillard. Six and a half favorites in game two. The Bucks, 12 point favorites in game one, about 11 and a half point favorites in game two. I mean, they're not, the lines aren't moving because people expect them to bounce right back. Moving forward, I don't see a buying opportunity on any of these three teams until next round. I really don't. When you're talking about teams to buy on, by the way, well, let's go take a look at some hockey. Every single year, we know that someone gets hot in goal. Somebody gets hot. It could be a goalie standing on their head. It could be a collective team defensive effort. But, but somebody steps up defensively. We know all that happened last year to the number one offense in the league in the Lightning and how they got eliminated. I am really, really high on the Vegas Golden Knights right now. The reason is you could talk about Stone and you could talk about their offense. Um, this is a team that's been there, number one. But I love the fact that they have two starting goaltenders. And you guys know I do radio in Las Vegas, right? And I do radio in Vegas. And when Robin Leonard came over, I said on the air, I think he's better than Flurry at this point in his career. And oh boy, did I get ripped apart. I got destroyed. Are you crazy? You're insane. Well, who started every playoff game, by the way? Robin has. And he's looked good in goal. I know they dropped one game, but he's looked good in goal. The beauty about this type of playoff atmosphere, where they're playing games, it seems, on top of each other. It seems like they're almost playing double headers at this point. Teams are being made to wait until the next day. Right? That happened to the Bruins in Carolina after the five overtimes. They had to switch their time, and they played at like 11 o'clock in the morning. It was a disaster. Teams that are set up like that, well, we have two goalies. I feel good with Flurry in there. I feel good with Robin in there. You feel good. And this might not be a problem during the play-in round. Yeah, maybe it didn't rear its ugly head. No, nah, not really. And the tired goalie, the guy that isn't all of a sudden on top of things, maybe that didn't rear its head in the first round. As you get tired legs and the more hockey they play and the more ice time they have, the more shots on goal they get, the more you're going to worry about a little goalie fatigue. Not if you're the Golden Knights, who go too deep. So, if we're looking at the NHL and the NBA playoffs right now, from a betting perspective, I'm staying far away from the big three. The favorites are crushing it. There was a day this week where the favorites in all of the sports went 20-1. and one. I, The favorites are crushing it, okay? A lot of overs in the NBA. A lot of overs in the NBA. They are running and gunning in Orlando. Opening night of the NBA playoffs, there was all four overs. All four teams went, went way over the number, too. And all four favorites, by the way. But all four teams went way over, the, way over the number. I'm still thinking that you still might be able to get some of these totals. I do expect Vegas to kind of uh, 
come back to to the number Atlantic City and those they're all going to come on back right the bookmakers are going to come on back to the big number uh, and they're going to start raising it. you're going to start seeing totals into the 230s into the 240s maybe because they're going to prevent against that but I do not think the market will adjust on the Lakers Bucks and Clippers I'm not telling you to go out there and take a, a long shot plus money right there are other idiot radio hosts that go oh, who cares you know, it's 20 bucks, it's 20 bucks, it doesn't matter, it's value. No, 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 no. Protect every dollar. Protect every dollar you have. But I do like the points. And I like the fact that the points didn't matter. And they didn't move. And nothing changed. I'm betting against the big three right now. Not to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Make no mistake, I don't want to go all over Twitter. Sports Garden is going to be, Tom told everybody that they, the big three are going to lose. No, I'm not saying that they're going to lose. But I, I like the points in a generality. And over in the NHL... I think the Lightning and the Knights right now are on a collision course for the Stanley Cup Finals. The Lightning got over the obstacle they needed. They have been the best team in the league for a couple of years now. Last year, first round exit, nobody could explain it. If you watched it, not it wasn't a fluky thing. They were dominated, dominated in the first round. Well, they came out. They had another great regular season. They got past the first round. I think that there's a little bit of, a little sigh of relief from the Lightning, right? There's got to be. And now you hit the ground running. I think the Lightning is going to play their best hockey in the next couple of rounds. So I like the Lightning moving forward, and I gave you my reason for the Vegas Golden Knights. Although, I will say that the Avalanche are dangerous. Watch a couple of games from the Avalanche, and I get it. They're not playing a very good team, I know. But I think the Avalanche are a team, sort of like the Flyers, where they scare me. They're real fast on offense. If they get going on offense, they can put up seven goals, which they did, right? You could see them throwing in a million goals, and they're a good defensive team. The Avs scare me, but I'm still thinking that the Knights are the better team here. And I think that the Knights are just how they, they look really tuned in. They're going to the Cup, if you want to ask me my opinion now. And I still am sticking with the Lightning. Oh, by the way, these were my picks a couple of months ago as well. So I'm not really getting off, but I like what I've watched in the first round. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick timeout. Come on back. We do have baseball news. We have a lot of college football news and a feel-good story in the NFL can absolutely make us money. We'll be back right after this with more Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Oh, we're going to the NFL for this one. It is an odds and a prop bet, a player prop bet that I've really been talking about a lot, and now the odds have changed. And let me tell you why. Alex Smith has made a ridiculous, remarkable comeback, and people are loving it. Right now, Comeback Player of the Year award, and the odds are... Alex Smith now leads at four to one. Big Ben comes in at five to one. Cam Newton is five to one. Gronkowski six to one. Matthew Stafford seven to one. AJ Green nine to one. And JJ Watt comes in at nine to one. That is what are the odds? Now, let me expand on this a little bit. First, let's talk about the Alex Smith situation. There's not a person alive that has a feeling in their soul that can't be ecstatic about this man coming back. Seven surgery. I said a teen. 17 surgeries on his leg. The man does not need the money. His net worth is estimated between 55 and 60 million dollars. He's got a great family. The best thing is when he was walking off, walking out of his driveway, his kids are spraying him with champagne. His wife is there. He's got everything in life. After 17 surgeries on your leg, what the hell are you doing suiting up? That's a man that wants to play. It's a man with a chip on his shoulder. But I have to be the cold-hearted guy. I have to look at things from a black heart. And when you're somebody that is in sports betting and you're making your living betting on sports and analyzing this, there's no room for emotions. I don't care if it's a black heart and you want to call me every nasty name in the book. I'm rooting for Alex Smith. But there's no way he should be leading the comeback player of the year. Odds. This is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Alex Smith does not have a guaranteed position. Oh, by the way, right? He, he doesn't, he's not the starter right now. He's going to have to fight for a starting job. 
if he gets that starting job, a guy with 17 leg surgeries, you don't think that he's going to get hurt again? And let's say he survives and he doesn't get hurt and he gets the starting job. Well, his team sucks. And then they're going to go throw in a rookie quarterback or the young quarterback anyway, right? And make a change. Why would they want to get Alex hurt? I think anybody that puts their money on Alex Smith right now, all you're doing is betting on emotion. You're betting on you want him to do well because you're rooting for him. You're betting on Alex Smith because he's a nice guy. You're betting on Alex Smith because it's a great story. I want Alex Smith standing at the SB Awards with an NFL MVP and proving me wrong. Oh, sure, I do. But I'm certainly not betting on him. You know, there are certain stories in sports that lead the betting market. This should not be one of them. This is a story. This is a feel-good story. This is not a good bet. And taking it a little further, Ben Roethlisberger is going to lead an offense where just a few years ago he led the league in the, led the NFL in passing yards. He's taking on an offense that, with a garbage quarterback, still produced decent numbers and still were right there for a playoff picture on a Pittsburgh team that's high profile. He's 5-1. to one. Cam Newton is taking over the New England Patriots. New England Patriots offense with McDaniels and Belichick. He'll be going up against defenses of the Jets and Miami four times a year. Cam Newton is, has a chip on his shoulder. He's physically just jacked and totally in shape. He's 5-1 to one odds behind Alex Smith. Rob Gronkowski comes out of retirement. He's going to be working with Tom Brady down in Tampa. He's going to be working to a man that just throws him touchdown after touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. He's going to be working in spots where he's only on the field to score touchdowns. That's basically what Bruce Arians said, right? He said, oh, we got OJR, we got camera break, but uh, when did we get inside the five-yard line? We're just going to go to Gronk. He's 6-1. to one. You got Matthew Stafford at 7-1. to one. Matthew Stafford has thrown for over 5,000 yards in this league. Oh, by the way, he plays indoors. He's playing uh, against a subpar Green Bay defense, a mediocre Bears offense, a declining Minnesota offense, uh, defense. That's, that's his, his offense is clicking. He throws to Kenny Galladay. Oh, by the way. And Detroit kind of sucks on defense, so he's going to have to throw to come back. Oh, by the way, he's 7-1. to one. AJ Green is 9 to 1. AJ Green has Mr. Joe Burrow throwing to him. He's also not the number one receiver anymore because Tyler Boyd is there and he's got a couple of other guys like Joe Mixon. He's got an offensive minded coach that wants to throw, 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 throw. He's 9 to 1. And then you got JJ Watt, multiple time defensive player of the year, playing in Houston, uh, playing on a team. That absolutely just lets him roam free and run after the quarterback and just get after it. He's 9-1. to J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, Matthew Stafford, Cam Newton, Ben Roethlisberger, and Rob Gronkowski all have better resumes than Alex Smith. J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, Matthew Stafford, Rob Gronkowski, Cam Newton, and Ben Roethlisberger all have starting jobs. Alex Smith doesn't have that. J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, Matthew Stafford, Gronk, Cam, and Ben all have worse odds than Alex Smith. Don't let your emotion get a hold of you here. The smart play is Ben Roethlisberger. I know a lot of people going after Cam. I don't think Gronk is going to do as much. Look, he might he might, might catch 40 balls this year, but 10 of them be touchdowns, sure. But I don't think it's going to be enough. A.J. Green, uh, you know, I know it's a rookie quarterback. I kind of like the Green thing. It's hard for me to get behind a receiver. And J.J. Watt as a defensive player is kind of tough unless he wins defensive player of the year, which I don't think he's going to do. Matthew Stafford and Big Ben are the two guys starting quarterbacks in Offenses that we've seen them massively succeed before. Don't get crazy with Alex Smith. It's a really good story. It's something we're all rooting for. It's something we like. But don't get crazy with Alex Smith. Quick little piece of NFL news here, guys. Um, watch for the opt-outs. The opt-outs are coming. And the Miami Dolphins, a team that I told you a couple of months ago, I was looking at, I thought the Tua situation was pretty good. I love the fact that they grabbed Jordan Howard. I also like Braida. I like Wilson. I like the, the, just the Parker Williams connection also. All of a sudden, their number three and four wide receivers are out. Hearns and Wilson have opted out. All of a sudden, the Dolphins, 
just can't get out of their own way are looking a little bit banged up again. A little bit banged up again. We also have some NFL news that continues to be a little bit of an NFL trend here. And that is me giving you every week what stadiums will not be full. We know Philadelphia. There were questions about New Jersey. They think that they might be able to fill it, but there's questions about that. We know that there's a few places, Washington, D.C. last week announced they will not have fans in the stands. There are a few places that are toying with different ideas. The Titans have announced they will not have fans in the stands for the first month of the season. This is pretty drastic here. If I could not get political and just say, well, Tennessee is clearly a red state, okay, um, they are canceling football for September. How are you canceling fans in the stands in September and not doing it further? I don't know. I don't think you should cancel it at all, but, but if you're doing it, at all, how can you? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's only going to get worse, right? All I keep hearing is that it's going to get worse after September. So I guess they're going to try to go like a month to month sort of situation, but the Titans will have no fans in the stands in September. How about the LA teams? Well, here's a little speculation on my part. A little speculation on my part is there will be no fans in the stands in LA. It has not been officially announced, but if you watched Hard Knocks this week, Jared Goff's girlfriend or wife, I apologize if it's his wife, but I think it's his girlfriend, said that she was told, and she said it live on camera, that there's not going to be any fans in the stands. That would be the Rams and the Chargers. You know, there was a point where I got on the Eagles, because they were the first team to announce. The Eagles were the first team to announce no fans in the stands. And I got on the Eagles because it hurt my futures place. I told you guys right after the Super Bowl, I kind of like the Eagles at the price, right? I kind of like Carson Wentz to win the MVP at the price. I think I was getting 18 to 1 at that point for uh, for the Eagles. And, and then Wentz for win the MVP was 25 to I mean, I was getting good odds. I like what they did. If you're in a fantasy league, Miles Sanders is a guy I am all over. Uh, Rager could be a big-time number. I think people are underestimating Zach Ertz, and you got Goddard. They have an offense. Carson Wentz didn't have an offense last year. They have a very Super Bowl-capable head coach. They have a lot of things I like, and they announced no fans in the stands. And I totally pulled off the Eagles. I said, what the hell are they doing? Oh, no fans in the stands. That's terrible. Then it was the Washington Redskins. Now, other teams are kind of getting into the fray. If you asked me when the Eagles announced how many teams would not have fans in the stands, I would have said, eh, kind of a handful. You ask me today, in this ever-changing market, I think we're looking at at least half. Is a conservative estimate saying at least half of the teams in the NFL will not have stands? I, I, I said it last week. Jerry Jones has said, we are absolutely having fans in the stands. Okay, he may be the only team in the NFC East. We know Jersey's teetering on the brink. We know Washington and Philly are done. Now, how much does this affect the players? How much does this affect your, your betting line? Guys, I think it has to affect it a lot. I think it has to. I think it has to change your mind quite a bit on no fans for a football game. I've mentioned it before, but it bears repeating. Football is the one sport that the fans are actually a part of the action. The louder you are can cause false starts. They can't hear audibles. It changes the game plan. When a head coach walks into an opposing loud stadium, Seattle, Arrowhead, wherever it might be, they also have to game plan and spend time that week game planning against the fans. I'm a baseball guy. Heckling only goes so far. Stadiums mean more than fans in baseball. In the NBA and NHL, I don't think it matters at all. I mean, the fans give you a little energy and a boost. Sure, you could say all that. Uh, bah, bah, bah. I don't think they do anything. I really don't. I don't think the fans mean anything. In football, they mean a lot. Go ask an NFL head coach or college head coach. How much time do you prepare your offense during the week about audibles and silent counts and things of that nature if you know you're going into a, a, a raucous stadium? They spend time. They actually take away practice time. So... Here we go. Jacksonville. Well, Jacksonville won't have fans, <laughs> even if they were allowed to have fans. So Jacksonville will be silent. Philly's going to be silent. DC's going to be silent. The two LA teams are going to be silent. Tennessee's going to be silent. Does this give the Houston uh, Texans, does, does it give Houston a little advantage? 
I think it does. I think you have to look at Houston and Dallas right now and say, those are the only two places I'm sure that fans will be in. Now, I can't see them keeping them out of Green Bay. <laughs> That's another team, right? And I can't see them keeping them out of New Orleans. But are they going to be at full capacity? Is it going to be in the same kind of stadium? No. Seattle and Kansas City get a large, 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 large jolt from their staff fans. Are they going to be there? No. By the way, Kansas City announced that they will have fans. But it's not going to be as much. And then with the corona worries, it's going to continue. It's going to keep getting worse and worse when you look at how things are going down. Speaking of which, let's get into a little college football because, wow, the world is different. The world is different today, and it's going to be different tomorrow. And that's not a, a fortune cookie kind of thing. It's just reality. The SEC this week announced the 2020 football schedule, and it's out. Meanwhile, oh, by the way, we know there's no Big Ten and Big 12. Appalachian State said, you know what? We don't care. We'll take on all comers. Appalachian State said, we're going to play football. Oh, Appalachian State begins school. Three days later, they canceled because uh, seven players and four staff members, 11 total people on the football staff, were tested positive for corona. Appalachian State football, probably not happening this year. It happens like that. It happens that fast. Here is some good news, though. From good news for you absolute wild and crazy Texas fans, because I know you guys are down there. I know it. And like I just mentioned, oh, by the way, I think that the Houston Texans get a little bit of a boost because it doesn't look like anybody in Texas uh, is being affected by corona. Oh, by the way, the Dallas Cowboys already said we're putting people in the stands. Well, how about the Texas Longhorns? The Longhorns are not only playing with people in the stands, but they really just don't care. They are saying, we are playing, we're playing with people in the stands, come on down. And here's what they are, uh, are doing there in Texas. And you got to love it, by the way. But here's what they're doing. Season ticket holders this week received an email that said they are ready to, quote unquote, rock and roll. They are going to be at 25% capacity. Okay, so they're doing social distancing. They think they could keep these things uh, in tow, which I think that they can. 25% capacity. That also includes the Red River Shootout, which is now, you're not allowed to call it that anymore, but whatever. Texas OU will be at 25% in the rivalry game, which they play on a neutral site. 12.5% to each school. Now we're getting into some really interesting stuff. Their first home game, by the way, is September 12th. We're, we're, we're coming up real fast. They're going to be up against UTEP. So they shouldn't have a problem. It's a Texas team against a Texas team. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how much this is going to hold water soon. Here's what's interesting to me. Because I'm somebody that says, hey, you know what? 25% in the stadium, that sounds good. But the party's outside. Oh, yeah, it is. Tailgating, they are being strict about tailgating. If you tailgate, you have to keep it to 25 people or less in your party. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Texas is just saying whatever, you know. We're going to have masks. We're going to have social distancing. People are adults, and they're going to be able to control themselves. But the Texas Longhorns, yeah, that's their, they're going to have people in the stands. And I'm, I really do believe it gives people a distinct advantage. I have to believe that. I have to believe that. You know, you have to turn around and look at what corona is. You have to take precautions. You have to be careful with it. I am absolutely agreeing with all of that. But there is a time to be cautious and there is a time to shut our lives down. And Texas right now is saying, we're not shutting our lives down. If kids can go to school, then kids could go out and tailgate at 25 people. That's about what the size of a classroom is. You have to social distance. You have to wear a mask. You have to do these things. But we're letting people come in to play Texas football. And we're letting people come in to watch Texas football. So there is some good on the horizon. Speaking about on the horizon, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to the future. Uh, bet to the future. Well, this week we had Texas announce that, yes, they will absolutely have fans. But that's not the big ripple news. The big ripple news here is Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields, who's a perennial top five pick in next year's NFL draft. He has asked Commissioner Kevin Warren of the Big Ten 
league presidents and ADs to allow Big Ten players to make their own choices as to whether they wish to play or opt out for the fall season. He's putting together a list of head coaches. He's putting out a list of players, and he is really making a charge. you got to give it to Justin Fields, but he is saying, we want to play. We didn't have a voice in that room. With that knowledge at hand, let's go bet to the future. There are odds up. Will the Big Ten play any games? Not during the fall. No, no, no. During spring 2021. Remember, they said it's a postponement. They're going to push this to the spring. So the odds are yes, plus 375. No is coming up as a minus 650. No one believes you, Kevin Warren. Nobody believes the Big Ten is postponing and going to the spring. But if you do, you could get plus 375 back in correlation to that. How about will the Pac-12 play any games? Well, the Pac-12 has no minus 800 and yes, plus 425. The reason I say gave both, um, I find it really interesting that there's a better chance that the Big Ten will play than the Pac-12. And that is bet to the future. Yeah, guys, look, I, I, I'm looking at both of these. And I, I'm not laying 650 or 800. I'm not laying those numbers. Um, but I don't think that there's any chance they're going to play. There's there's just no chance they're going to play, guys. It's just not happening. I'm sorry. It's just not happening. Uh, let's go to Major League Baseball. And before I get into my big angle, and I love the angle that I'm going to give you guys. Before I get into my big angle, let's touch on a couple of stories. First of all, since the last time we spoke, uh, there has been another corona breakout or worry of a breakout in Major League Baseball. The Marlins and Mets game was canceled. Look, we have to be careful when you jump to conclusions here. Anybody that watched Hard Knocks, I'll allude to that again. Uh, you look at Rex Ryan's kid. He's a coach on Hard Knocks, had to leave work for two days, came back false positive, right? I'm hoping it's a false positive, but even if it's not... We know that there's going to be hiccups. I just don't think we should get crazy about the hiccups. You know, this is what it is. You're going to have to kind of roll with the punches. But there are some people that do get a little crazy and they kind of flip out. And we talked about it last week where the Cleveland Indians sent down Mike Clevenger and Plesak, two of their number one. I mean, is Clevenger the number one pitcher? Probably not now that Bieber's there. But Clevenger came into the season probably the number one and Plesak is the number two three or four, two out of five starting pitchers on a team that is contending to get into the, not only the playoffs, but for a division title, a team that could probably do some good thing. You you give me a rotation of Clevenger, Plesak, and Bieber, one, two, three. They're going to scare anybody in the playoffs in a quick series. Well, Clevenger is gone, and and Plesak is down below. Now, I'm not going to talk about should they be, should they be. That, that, that's not my concern. My concern is this. We're getting close to the trade deadline. You watch Major League Baseball Network, and all of a sudden, all, all you see is trades, 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 trades. Oh, the trade deadline's coming. It's coming up. This is a unique year. And usually I give a lot of listeners good insight as to trades, who I'm hearing, where they're going, what's the biggest takeaway. This is a unique year. The playoffs are expanded. We have a shortened season. Teams are going to have to make a very, very quick decision. I mean, where we stand right now, I mean, as of today, the Orioles and the Blue Jays at basically 500 are in this thing. How do they go out there and trade anybody, right? You look at a team like the Texas Rangers, a couple games under 500, they're kind of still in this thing. Do they just throw it away? You know, Phillies and Nationals had hopes to win the division, Phillies and Nationals, you could say, had hopes to win the World Series. They're both three games under 500, basically tied for last place. Do they throw in the towel? So it's going to be an interesting year. Who throws in the towel and who is going to be available? So you look at the teams that, in my opinion, are going to be sellers. Uh, there's not many. Let's start with the National League and the sellers in the National League. You can't sell if you're the Marlins, the Braves. Maybe the Mets are a seller. They don't really have a lot to sell, though. Unless you want to give up a Batances or an Edwin Diaz, maybe that, but you're selling them on the bottom rung. I don't think Philly or Washington's ready to sell. Washington got rid of too much. You go to the Central, 
Cardinals, you could have said, but nah, the Brewers are right in there. The Reds are only two games under 500. The Pirates will be sellers, but nobody wants anybody from the Pirates, really. So, so I mean, that's the problem. The Giants, San Francisco Giants will be a seller. The guy that I thought that they would be able to sell was Tony Watts, and all of a sudden he, he finds himself not even closing games there. The Red Sox will be a seller. Or are this is, is this their opportunity to go buy players for next year? The Tigers are hanging in there, but the Tigers are a seller. The Royals are a seller. Again, neither one of these teams. Royals have a young team. Tigers are up and coming. Young team. Angels and Mariners both looking like, yeah, maybe we could sell a couple of players here and there. But the Angels, unless they're ready to get rid of a big bat and someone's going to take on big money, they're not going to be a seller. And the Mariners don't have a lot to sell. So all of a sudden, the trade market kind of dries up, which leads me back to Clevenger and Plesak. And it's really interesting, Clevenger and Plesak, and who they could be matched up with. And you look around the league, and don't tell me that, you know, everybody could use, yeah, everybody could use a frontline starter, but who's got the pieces to get something done? The two teams that really jump out to me are basically the two best teams in baseball. And we're talking about the Dodgers and the Yankees. The Yankees have just an influx of talent that can't even play. When Stanton and Judge are healthy, which I get it, they never are, you have Mike Tauchman, you have Andujar, you now have uh, Clint Frazier, who they clearly are ready to get rid of. At first base, you have Mike Ford, you have Luke Voigt, you got some hitters. And Cleveland could use a bat. Mike Clevenger thrown into the Yankees rotation all of a sudden, not only this year, but moving forward, this is a match made in heaven if you could go out there and get like an Andujar um, or maybe a Clint Frazier plus somebody. That's something to look at. The Dodgers are in a similar situation with Gavin Lux and the middle infielders that they have and, and who's performing. They have massive amounts of arms and massive amounts of bats that they could trade away. Clevenger and that rotation looks really good. But the name I keep hearing about is the Boston Red Sox. And you go, but Boston's out of it. Well, here goes the conundrum, right? Here goes the problem. If you're Boston and you could get your hold on a Clevenger and a Plesak, by the way, Boston's pitching is sort of the worst in baseball right now. If you could go throw those two, they become the one-two on your team. You get Chris Sale back next year. You got a rotation of Sale, Clevenger, and Plesak. You just rebuilt your team and you're a contender next year. You're done for this year anyway, right? So why not unload? You got to watch out for these things when you're going out there and making some long-term bets because of how quickly things can change. I think we will see some moves this year. I think we're going to have some head scratchers because it's an unusual season. It is a season that where we stand today, we're only playing 60 games. Where we stand today, most of these teams have played 25 games. By the end of the weekend, basically Monday, Tuesday, next week, we're going to be looking at teams playing, it's a halfway mark, 30 games in. right? You have to know right now if you're good or not. You have to know if you're going for this thing or not. You've got to know it by next week, by the next time me and you talk, next time you hear my voice, we are halfway through the Major League Baseball season. Past that, you've got to make a decision. As a general manager, you have to say, am I going for it now? Is it a wild, crazy year and I'll be throwing it away? Do I just sit on my hands? What do I do? For you fantasy guys out there in season-long leagues, you got to be thinking the same thing. If you don't really think... Now, you're in a 12-team league. Sometimes you sit in 5th, 6th place, and you go, ah, a lot of season left. You're in 5th, 6th place in a fantasy league right now. Start unloading and getting young talent. Seriously. Start unloading. Go get that young talent because you're probably not going to win. It's a shortened season, 60 games. We're almost halfway there. That doesn't mean we still can't make money. Ah, this is my favorite thing that I want to talk about today, by the way. Because I love finding angles. I love finding Little areas that me and you can absolutely take advantage of in the books, and I have found one. Not only did I find it, I have completely and utterly taken advantage of it. And that is the Toronto Blue Jays home ballpark in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, it's a mouthful to say. We think about, and I mentioned this last week a little bit, 
we think about Coors Field, and automatically the line in Vegas is inflated. Oh, Coors Field throwing an extra run or two. The ball's going to fly out of that one, right? You think about certain ballparks. The Great American Launching Pad was the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati for a little while. People were automatically throwing a little bit extra on the number there. I'm not sure if we've seen anything outside of Colorado, anything close to the short slate that we have in Buffalo. And by the way, when I say short slate, they've had played 10 games now in Buffalo. They're only playing 25 or 30. So it's as much of a short slate. We don't have a lot of time to take advantage. But here are the numbers that I want you guys to pay attention to. And this is not only for the sports better out there. You sports bettors, pay attention. Totals players, pay very close attention, number one. Number two, you daily fantasy guys out there, listen to everything that I'm going to say. You regular fantasy guys out there, look, you need a little pop, listen to what I'm going to say. Think about benching your starters, uh, if they're pitchers, if they're bullpen. This is the core's effect that's happening in Buffalo. And here are the numbers for you. In 10 games in Buffalo, there has been 37 home runs hit. Guys, that's nearly four home runs a game. Even in the lowest scoring game in Buffalo Major League history was a 3-2 final, two home runs still went out. Okay? 37 home runs in 10 games. Seven of the 10 games in Buffalo we're nine-plus run games, which is generally the standard right now for over-under. Out of those, oh, by the way, let's not forget, three out of the ten games were only seven-inning games. Three out of the ten. So most of them are going nine, ten, eleven runs. We had massive numbers. Toronto-Miami produced 25 runs. Tampa Bay, 16 runs. Tampa Bay again, 12. Baltimore, 15 runs. Philadelphia in a seven-inning game, 17 runs. The Blue Jays pitching is pretty woeful. Their starters are not good. And oh, by the way, their best starter, Peterson, just went down and he's not even pitching. The Blue Jays have no pitching and all sorts of power and pop on that team. So you go, well, Tom, how can I take advantage of this? (laughs) Do we have a storm of brewing coming up next week? Starting on Tuesday next week, they play a three-game set with Boston, and then next weekend, a four-game set with Baltimore. Guys, the Baltimore Orioles just played three games there. Toronto won 7-2, 8-7, and 5-2. Toronto was able to bludgeon the Baltimore Orioles pitching staff. The Boston Red Sox have the worst starting pitching in baseball. Their bullpen isn't much better, but they have the worst starting pitching in baseball. And Boston can hit the ball. Oh, by the way. So I'm looking at angles here. Things that you want to go take if you see Toronto in Buffalo playing home games against Boston and Baltimore next week, which the numbers will probably be 10, 10 and a half, 11. Take the overs. Not only take the overs, stack your daily fantasy lineup with Toronto and Boston players, Toronto and Baltimore players. Also, don't forget player prop plays, right? Go for the guys. Will A or B hit a home run? Will this guy go yard? What about the home run market? How many home runs will be hit in that game? 37 home runs in 10 games. By the way, looking down a little bit further, you want to get dangerous. You want to live dangerously if you're the Toronto Blue Jays. All right, let's live dangerously because we can make money all next week starting Tuesday until next Monday. There are seven straight games where betting the over, it might be in the cards every single game. Starting September 7th. Oh, by the way, Aaron Judge is coming back next week. Starting September 7th, All of a sudden, the Toronto Blue Jays in Buffalo will play the Yankees for three. Oh, yeah. Judge, maybe even Stanton, and the Yankee home run barrage that they will have. Then the New York Mets for three with Pete Alonso and that. Then they get four 
against the Yankees in late September, followed by three against Baltimore. They will play the New York Yankees in this Colorado-type launching pad seven more times before the end of the year. Go to your sportsbook. Go on your app, however you can. Load up on the home run futures for those games. Go to the player stats. Go on your FanDuel, DraftKings, whatever rotisserie league that you have. Put in home runs for the big boys. The ball flies out of this park at a ridiculous, ridiculous rate. And while you look at this, and like I said, there's not a lot of games left, but you can make some money. Seven more games against the Yankees, seven more games against the Orioles in that ballpark. And Toronto's pitching staff got worse. And the Yankees should be getting fully healthy in September. I expect these trends to continue. I absolutely expect these trends to continue. Homers are flying out. Use the Colorado mindset when you're betting Blue Jays games. Every single show, I try to give you a little insight. I try to give you a a little angle, something that I'm looking at, something that I want you to walk away with and try to make money on. And next week, you're going to be able to make money. Next week, you're going to be able to get a couple of these overs. The trends are going to continue, and the odds makers are not adjusting the right way. That is the key here. We can find angles, but if you don't know how to take advantage of them, they're just useless. Other shows out there, what are they going to do? They're going to tell you their opinion. They're going to say this. They're, going to say, they're not talking about the number and how it's being created. It's being created because most people are just not remembering that Toronto is playing in Buffalo. Most people out there do not know that 37 home runs have been hit in 10 games. They just don't know it. Having this information gives you the advantage that you need. I'm giving you the advantage that you need. And that is what we are all about here. All right, guys, I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be a part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARDEN. That's 1-855-442-7836. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.